You are now listening to The Shyest Podcast, when millions of opinions just aren't enough. Packers got back to their losing ways, dropping a 27-17 game at home to the Titans. And now it's time for the Pick'em Show. Hello, everybody. I'm your host, Nick Scheist. And week 11... Got off to a bad start once again, taking an L on Thursday night. And for the most part, I've been pretty good on Thursday night football, but the last like month or so has been bad. I started 6-0, and and now I'm 7-4. and So that's 1-4 in the last five weeks on Thursday night football. That's not good. But that means that the competition is getting better. It means that the matchups are not as easy to predict. And I've got to get better about it. So... We'll start this show as we always do, breaking down that Thursday night game a little bit, and then we'll get into the rest of the picks for this week. And I just got to hope that I can make up some ground because we're making that final journey towards fantasy football playoffs. And I've got several leagues that I need to keep an eye on, and I need to get all this research in for the picks and hope that it helps out people who are betting on these games. So, let's get to it. After review, the results of the play is first and 15. I've got 15 minutes on the clock. I don't know that I'm going to need all 15 minutes as this game was actually pretty predictable, but for some reason I just couldn't get off of it. I just couldn't get off of the Packers, and... You would think that after picking them time and time again this year and losing far more often than not, that I would have been able to see the writing on the wall. And in previewing this game, I felt it was going to be a trench war and that the Packers with their dual running back combo were going to be able to get a ground game going. I was wrong. Um... And I figured after Aaron Rodgers had a good game against that Dallas defense, he might be able to find a way to play well in this game. And for the most part, he didn't play that bad. 24 of 39, 227, two touchdowns. Not, you know, crazy or anything, but not a bad game on his part at all. Uh, It was a trench war, like I thought. But it was a war that Tennessee is much more prepared to play. And for some reason... I just didn't allow myself to accept that because seeing some of the guys they had out on defense, seeing that the Packers had just picked up a win at home and they needed the game a lot more than Tennessee did, I figured Tennessee might be less inclined to like push the envelope, but I think they still see that they're 7-3 and three and they're right there at the top of the AFC. They saw the Bills stumble. They're tied with the Dolphins, I believe, at 7-3, and... They're a game behind, well, half game behind the Chiefs. 
with the loss to the Chiefs, so don't have that tiebreaker. But it really was kind of the game I thought it would be other than the Green Bay secondary really getting their asses handed to them. You know, after watching the Bills game and seeing how effective they were at defending the pass against Buffalo, I figured that the Titans are going to have a hard time throwing the ball. And last time they played in Green Bay two years ago, Tannehill, I think, threw like four interceptions or something, played horrible. Um, but clearly they remember that and they didn't want to do that again. And while the Packers focused a lot of energy on stopping Derrick Henry, and it paid off to a degree, they held him to only 87 yards, and the team as a whole only ran for 88 yards. And this is on 28 carries for Henry, so he's averaging like maybe three yards and change a carry. Uh, he did end up getting the touchdown, uh, but the two things that came from their commitment to the run were time of possession early in the game. So keeping Aaron Rodgers and that offense off the, off the field, not letting them get in rhythm. And it allowed them to move the chains more effectively behind the strength of the run game. Because even though they weren't like gashing them for big plays, they were always running for positive yardage for the most part. They got in the backfield and brought Henry down for a loss a couple of times in a couple of key situations. But other than that, he's getting two, three every time. And it put Tennessee in a lot more third and medium situations. And what that did was it forced the... Uh, Packers to have to stack the box a little bit more on those third down passing situations where typically they would be able to focus on the pass more and I thought going into the second half when the game was only 14-6 at that point that Green Bay was going to adjust because what was happening is on those third and mediums like third and seven they have to respect the run a little bit and they're hedging their bets, and that left the Tennessee players in one-on-one -on -one situations, and Green Bay was playing a lot of off-coverage for some reason. They weren't like playing press at the line, and hey, credit to the Tennessee receivers. They were getting open consistently, and Tannehill was uh, pretty damn accurate for the majority of the game. I think he finished at... Uh, he was 22-27 of 27 for 333 with two touchdowns, and he did throw a bad pick kind of late in the game but not when it mattered anymore so even though he throws an interception when they're up by 10 uh the green bay offense like sputters once again they go three and out and three and out on either side of that interception so it didn't even matter because their defense came out and actually gets a stop they get a pick they get a stop they get a stop but they couldn't score and they turn the ball over on downs on a 10 play drive they get to fourth and one at the Tennessee 44, and they try to run Aaron Jones up the middle, get stuffed with two minutes left, and that's realistically the end of the game. There's two minutes, but, um, you know, Tennessee just bleeds the clock out from there. So, I, like, from what I saw from the Packers, there's some things that they did well, but there's also a lot of things that they're not doing well. Um, they did not utilize Tunyon enough. They didn't get the ball to the edge on the run enough. And when they did, they were gashing Tennessee early. I think at one point in the first half, Aaron Jones was averaging seven yards a carry, but he finished the game with only 12 carries for 40 yards. So it got into this game where they're starting to get behind and they're starting to like throw a little bit more. And they only end up running the ball 19 times. So they didn't stay committed to the run at all. They didn't use A.J. Dillon in the way that the Titans were using Derrick Henry. And realistically, it's just the kind of game that the Titans are built for to 
pound the rock with Henry to stuff the run with their defense and to let Tannehill just have a, a kind of a smooth game where he doesn't even attempt 30 passes and he's just dropping back, hitting guys off of play action, um, hitting guys in open spots. And they did this to Green Bay consistently. They didn't they didn't like dominate them on third down conversions. They were seven out of 13, which is, you know, slightly over 50%, so not crazy. And a lot of that came in the second half. Excuse me, a lot of the Green Bay stops came kind of down the stretch in the second half. But there was a drive where the Titans went, I think, 18 plays on the Packers. And that's, that's a ton of time for the Packers defense to be on the field. It's a ton of time for the Green Bay uh, offense to be on the sideline. And they did end up getting a huge stop out of it uh, on a tackle for loss that stopped Henry in the backfield. But right after that, Green Bay goes three and out and punts. And then before the end of the half, they go three and out again. So just let's see. That's They start the game with the three and out. Then they punt the three and out again. They get three plays to end the half and run out of time. Then they go three and out a fourth time, three and out a fifth time, turn the ball over on downs on four plays. So that's realistically one one set of plays. So realistically five times they didn't even pick up a first down on a series. Um, out of one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. So on half of the series that they had in the game, they didn't even pick up a first down. So I think it's pretty obvious to see what their issue is. When they can't run the ball, the problem is they can't throw the ball that well either. It's like Aaron Rodgers didn't play a poor game, but it's become Christian Watson is now very much the number one guy there. Had two more touchdowns. He's got five touchdowns in two weeks. All this kid does is catch touchdowns. But I think in how they use him, he may not be refined enough to be the number one, but Lazard ain't the guy. He's just not, he was not ready for this game. There was a lot of crucial situations where he did not come up with a football in this game. Uh, and he finished with 11 targets and only five catches. So I don't know if he is ever going to be able to be the number one guy for them. And I'm trying to look at some of his other games here. So against Detroit, when they lost, he was targeted 10 times, only four catches targeted in that game uh, on Thursday 11 times for five catches he's got okay so he's got a game against the Jets nine targets four catches so it looks like more often than not he's bringing in less than half of his targets before that the first uh, let's see Giants game they lose he gets four of eight Jets game they lose he gets four of nine Washington they lose he gets six of seven Detroit they lose he gets four of ten Dallas they win and he catches three of four so that's that's tough. I just I don't know what the future is going to look like for this offense, especially if they're not going to be able to run the ball. They didn't even really throw the ball to the to the backs that well. Aaron Jones had six catches, but Dylan had one. Um, so they're not utilizing that aspect of their game either. And it's just the defense. The defense isn't good enough. I never thought their defense was all that good. You know, people really put them up on a pedestal over the last couple of years, and I never saw it that way, and it played out in the playoffs just as I expected, but this is a secondary that I did watch play a very good game against the Bills, and I thought the Titans receivers are going to, there's no way they're going to get open in this game. They're going to struggle the whole game, but 
if you look what happened, you have Traylon Burks had seven for 111. Robert Woods had six for 69. Austin Cooper, Austin Hooper had four for 36 with two touchdowns. Uh, Westbrook Akine, two for 28. So they moved the ball around. That's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight players with at least uh, one reception. Two guys with five or more catches. You got a guy over 100 where, you know, Woods and Burks both would have been basically the top receiver for the Packers on the other side. So it's it's a frustrating mess for the Packers, and it's going to be tough to pick their games the rest of the way because this was a, a matchup where they were in a favorable position. They actually did a decent job of stopping Henry, but then on third down, they just they couldn't get their pass defense together, and they were getting hit for big chunks repeatedly. Uh, and if you look at... All right, so... We'll talk about the chunk plays. Traylon Burks, long of 51. Robert Woods, long of 32. Henry got hit on a screen pass for a long of 42. That was a huge back-breaking play. Austin Hooper, long of 16. Uh, Okonkwo had a catch for 31. Westbrook Akine, 19. Hilliard, 14. Those are the longs on that team. So you go to Green Bay side, and their longest play was 28 yards to Randall Cobb. And then Lazard had a 23-yarder, and then everything else is less than 20 yards. So, like, they couldn't really hit the chunks on the ground or through the air, but they couldn't hit the chunks in the air because they couldn't establish a run game. And they did have some success getting to the edges, running pitch plays and stuff like that. I think that even Aaron Jones had a two-point conversion play to make the game 20-17. to 17. Uh, with two minutes left in the third quarter. So it's not like this game was never competitive at all. It just felt like every time the Packers were able to get the game close, the Titans had something up their sleeve to answer that. Because the Titans jumped out 7-0, and Green Bay eventually made it 7-6 with a, uh, I think it was a blocked extra point. And then Tennessee scores again, make it 14-6, Green Bay answers with a field goal. Tennessee responds with a touchdown. Green Bay scores a touchdown to make it 20-17. Tennessee makes it 27-17. And then it's just defense and run game the rest of the way. So that's about 15 minutes. That's all I really have to say about that game. Um, but I'm going to have to reassess my necessity value for football games because it's a game that the Packers really needed a lot and a game that they were mostly hanging in there but I'm just going to be honest Mike Vrabel outcoached LaFleur in that game by a good margin and Tennessee just looked like they had the upper hand the whole time and Green Bay offense they're going to have to figure something out because at 4-7 and seven, you know the NFC is not so strong but with that record looking at what they have left and they're three and three at home too so they're not even invincible at lambo like they used to be it's gonna be a long season for them tennessee seven and three they're cruising i don't i didn't even think they were that good but you know they're making plays and the defense is stepping up and derrick henry is derrick henry as long as Tannehill doesn't make the mistakes that kill them they're a tough football team to deal with in trying to keep things expedited as much as possible i instituted the two-minute drill but I realize that already exists so we're changing it up it's the exact same concept with a brand new name two minutes to win it so I've got two minutes on the clock starting now 
First up, we're going with the Bears on the road at the Falcons. Uh, both of these teams are coming off disappointing losses. Falcons on the road in Carolina. The Bears at home versus Detroit in a game that they were totally winning. Um, and they kind of were on the wrong end of what should have been a roughing the passer call. But nonetheless, shit happens. They didn't play well enough to win that game in the long term. And now they're going on the road against uh, a fellow NFC wildcard hopeful. And I don't know. I kind of like the Bears in this game. I know they're dealing with a little bit more in terms of injury with Tevin Jenkins and uh, Al-Qadeen Muhammad on the D-line, both injured. But I don't know. I kind of like the way the Bears play a little bit better. They're similar to the Falcons. Um, they dominate as much as they can with the run game. I think Justin Fields is the more dynamic quarterback of the two. And just seeing Atlanta struggle in the way that they've struggled the last couple weeks, you know, I kept telling myself, like, they've played well, they've been competitive with teams, etc., etc., and that led me to pick them in the last two weeks, and they blew it in both of the last two weeks. And so I don't know if it's me just being salty with them in general, but... I'm having a hard time seeing them winning this one, especially if it just is the Bears uh, playing defense, running the football, Justin Fields running around. It's going to be a tough, tough game for the Falcons. They're at home, but I don't know that that's like the deciding factor for them. They're 3-2 and two at home. The Bears are 1-4 and four on the row, so that definitely leans Falcons. Uh, if you look at... The points per game, the Bears score a little bit less. They give up a little bit less. Uh, but in terms of total yardage, they give up fewer and they put up more. And it's going to be in a dome, which is going to, I think, actually play into field strength. And like I said, I think he's just a more dynamic weapon than Marcus Mariota. And if the defense can step up and just slow the Falcons running game down a little bit and make Mariota have to make those plays then the Bears are going to be in good shape. But since both these teams give up some points, I will take the Bears outright and to cover the three. And let's have fun, and we'll go over 49. Reds picks. Little Bear always takes the Bears. Up next on the schedule is my preferred game of the week with the Buffalo Bills, who were going to be at home taking on the Cleveland Browns who are traveling to Detroit to play the Bills because the weather in Buffalo has uh, been so bad that people cannot get to and from the game. So that's where we're at right now with that. And playing on turf is going to be interesting for the Bills because I think it actually helps them. But this is a matchup where they have a lot of guys out. Greg Rousseau is going to be out. Edmonds is going to be out. Uh, Tredavious White is out. Jordan Poyer, questionable, may not play. And so the Bills made a smart signing in bringing A.J. Klein back because he knows the system. He played well while they were dealing with linebacker injuries last season. And he'll be able to kind of just like plug and play where they need him. Plus, with the injuries overall and the kind of team they're playing in the Browns, 
that loves to play ground and pound football, similar to what we saw the Titans do to the Packers. Um, it's going to be imperative that the Bills linebackers play well and that they maybe even get out of the nickel and play some 4-3 uh, just to slow down the run game and force Jacoby Brissett to win the game. But they still got Amari Cooper over there. David Njoku's had a decent season. They got a good offensive line. It's a it's going to be a tough game for the Bills. And I think the Bills still probably win the game, but seeing them favored by eight seems like a ton in this game. So I will take the Bills to win. I'll take the Browns to cover the eight points. And I'll take the over at 50. Rids picks. Rids is on my team this weekend. She's going with the Bills. Next up, we got the 8-1 Philadelphia Eagles. On the road at the 4-5-1 Colts. Eagles coming off their first loss of the season to Washington. Colts suddenly rejuvenated off of uh, a win for them with Matt Ryan back under center. And this is a game where, you know, traditionally you probably think the Eagles are going to win. Uh, but they did just lose Dallas Goddard uh, to IR they're favored by six and a half. That seems kind of small on the road. And the way that the Colts could potentially run the football does present some problems for the Eagles. Um, and they're playing at home as well. Jonathan Taylor coming off a big game in his own right in uh, the Colts' last game. They, you know, the Raiders aren't good, so them beating the Raiders 25-20 is not the most impressive philadelphia really was in that game with washington they had the lead at one point uh, they're up 14-7 through an interception and then washington was able to dictate the game based on uh the run and their defense so realistically i just have to go with the eagles they are better on offense they are better on defense uh they do give up a little bit more uh yards per game than the Colts, but it's a push they put up 40, 50 more yards of offense. They score about two touchdowns more, and they give up less points. They haven't really played, like, the hardest schedule, but, I mean, the Colts really haven't either. They lost to Washington, too, so both these teams lost to Washington in common opponent. Um, I like the Eagles here, but I think the Colts may find a way to keep it close, and... I'll take the Colts to cover the six and a half, and we'll go uh, go over 45 and a half in this one. Rids picks. Rids is going with the Matt Ryan Colts. Next up, we've got the Jets. The six and three Jets on the road at the five and four Patriots. The Jets are four and zero oh on the road. Uh, Patriots are two and two at home. Both of these teams are coming out of their bye week. Uh, if you look at the health issues between the two of them, it's not really that big of a deal either way. Um, the Jets are without Sheldon Rankins, and Corey Davis is out as well. George Fant's been on IR, and New England, really Devontae Parker's questionable, but other than that, like it doesn't look like that I can tell. Maybe Marcus Cannon, but uh, injury-wise, they look mostly okay, and... The Patriots have really owned this series with the Jets pretty one-sidedly. And even in a year where the Jets, you know, popped up and surprised a lot of people, they did lose to New England just a couple of weeks ago. And this was in New York. So whatever it is, the Patriots just know the formula. 
for giving the Jets issues, and they know how to make Zach Wilson make some mistakes. Mac Jones making those mistakes too. Both of these guys have fewer touchdown passes than they have interceptions, and that's not good. Um, but right now you've got a Patriots team that runs the ball well. Uh, Jets defense has been playing pretty good, but they're actually like super similar. Points per game, about a push. Patriots a little better. Uh, points per game allowed. Patriots, again, about a point better. And then when you get to total yards, the Jets have a little bit more in terms of total yardage, but not by a lot. And in terms of yards allowed, they're a little bit better there too, but again, not by a lot. So this is going to be a fight because it's an important game in the division, and it's always hard to go into Foxborough and win. It's going to be really cold. And the Patriots, uh, they're kind of built for cold weather football right now. So there's the timer. I don't see any way that I can pick against the Patriots having won like 13 in a row in this series. Um, but I'll take the Jets to cover the three and a half just for fun. And uh, we'll go over 38. Ritz picks. Ritz is going with the J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. Next up, we've got the three and six Rams on the road at the three and seven Saints. Somehow the Rams have played nine games and only three of them have been road games to this point. Uh, it looks like Matt Stafford is going to be back. Brian Allen is still out. Uh, Travin Howard still out but what I'm looking at is the Saints uh, depletion their left tackle James Hurst is out Andres Pete still questionable Mark Ingram is out Cameron Jordan on the D-line their best defensive lineman out Marcus Davenport on the other side out uh, Pete Warner linebacker out Marshawn Lattimore out so there's a lot of guys missing from this game that is going to help the Rams be a little bit more competitive. And they're, they're still missing Brian Allen at center, but at least they've been dealing with that for a while. It looks like Coleman Shelton is not hurt anymore. At least he's active off of IR, but he doesn't appear to be in the starting rotation, although he may be playing center for them. And he was their best lineman up until the point where he got hurt. So that's not a bad sign for the Rams either if he can play. The question for them is, what do they do without Cooper Cup? This whole offense has been Cooper Cup for a couple seasons now. Stafford and him had a great connection. You know, Cooper Cup's got 75 catches for 800 yards on the season, and Allen Robinson just has not filled in as that number two guy yet. So it's going to be interesting, but I think the Saints being favored at home with all those guys out is a good spot to take the Rams. And, you know, I need some upset picks in here. And it's only two and a half points. I could see the Rams finding a way to win and getting Allen Robinson involved and maximizing his talent. Uh, it's going to have to be their defense, though. Rams defense is going to have to win this game because the Saints are still going to turn around and hand the ball off to Kamara. So I'll take the Rams uh, at plus two and a half and straight up. And we'll take the over at 39. Rids picks. Rids is taking the Saints. Next, we have the Lions, 3-7 and seven on the road at the Giants, 7-2. and two. Giants are 4-1 and one at home. Lions, 1-3 and three on the road. Uh, Giants are also 7-2 and two against the spread because it seems like people still really don't believe in them all that much, but they've shown that they're a very good team. And the problem for the Lions is a number of things. Is DeAndre Swift healthy? He's not listed on the injury report, so they're a much better team when he plays. 
It looks like Chark is back, which is huge if he plays and plays well. Uh, Josh Reynolds is out, though. And Josh Pascal is out. Charles Harris out on defense. Uh, Deshaun Elliott also uh, listed as questionable on defense. Giants coming off of their bye week, I believe. They're missing their tight end, Daniel Bellinger. Uh, Kenny Galladay is questionable, Wandale Robinson. But realistically, it's going to be Slayton, James, Wandale, uh, Isaiah Hodgins, who was picked up from the Bills, who I like a lot, and he's a big body out there, so wouldn't be surprised to see him get some run. It's it's hard for me to say that the Lions are, have a path to victory here, but they are 5-4 and four against the spread. They are getting their best offensive weapon back, and they're getting Chark back, so they're coming. I think they were in the bye week last week, too, so they're coming out of the bye week a little bit healthier than they went in. I could see why maybe this game uh, is only a three-point spread, and I think it was actually two and a half. It was a little bit closer, but I guess some money's coming on the Giants. I would like the Lions to win. That would be great. I mean, they score 24 points a game, so they outscore the Giants by, you know, four points a game, a little bit less, but they also give up 10 more points per game, and that's not good. So it's really their defense, and can they stop Saquon Barkley? Can they frustrate the Giants up front? And Aiden Hutchinson is a good player. He's a disruptor. But he's gonna have to he's gonna really have to do a lot. And the Giants have some solid wins under their belt. Realistically, the Lions don't. So I've gotta look at they both beat Green Bay, that's fine. But in terms of quality of competition, I think the Giants have that edge right now. And they're just not making as many mistakes. So It'll be interesting to see, but I have to go Giants. I'll take the Giants to cover that three points as well in New York. It's going to be cold outside. 38 degrees, that's really cold. So I hope Swift is healthy. I hope Chark is healthy. Uh, and I hope they get Chark involved because I got him in some fantasy leagues and him being out six weeks has been a bummer. Um, I've gone over the two minutes, but Giants minus three will go over 45 and Giants to win straight away. Rids picks. Rids is taking the New York football Giants. Next game on tap is the Carolina Panthers at the Baltimore Ravens. Panthers are 3-7. They're winless on the road. The Ravens are 6-3, but 2-2 two two at home. They are favored by 13 in this game. Don't like that at all. That seems like a trap. So I would go with the Panthers to cover. Uh, I'll take the over at 41.5 because the Ravens do give up some points. And... They're just, they're better defensively, they're better offensively, but it's not a huge margin. It's more just like fine-tuning of things where the Panthers are just starting to figure out who they are and who they can be, and the Ravens know exactly who they are. So in terms of injuries, Lamarck Jackson being questionable is a problem if he's really hurt, but I think he was just sick. Gus Edwards questionable. Mark Andrews also questionable, but probably back in the lineup. Tyler Huntley is a very serviceable uh, number two quarterback, worst case scenario. The Panthers are back at Baker Mayfield. Uh, P.J. Walker's out. Matt uh, Corral's on IR. So it's just Mayfield and Donald, which is kind of what it was going to be the whole time anyway. Matt Ioannidis out. Uh, they're a little thin in the safety department. So if someone goes down, that could be an issue. But, you know, I, I don't see Baltimore losing this game. But those are always the kind of games where another team sneaks in picks up a W that they really probably shouldn't be getting their hands on. But as long as the Ravens play their brand of football and don't turn the ball over, they really should 
win this game, but I think the Panthers are going to be just a pesky, annoying team to play, especially after what we saw on Thursday against the uh, Falcons last week. So they've had a nice long rest week to prep for the Ravens. So I'll go Ravens win, Panthers cover 13 over 41 and a half. Rids picks. Rids says Ravens. We've got the Commanders on the road against the Texans next. And for some reason, this is only a three-point spread. Texans are 1-7-1. and one. Uh, Commanders are 5-5. Five and five. Texans haven't even won at home yet. I don't know what's keeping this spread close. Could be injuries, but I don't see really anything. I mean, Chase Young is out, but he's been out. Uh, Cole Holcomb in the middle I thought was going to be a bigger issue in the Philadelphia game, but didn't end up being an issue. And then on the other side, uh, Stingley Jr. is out for Houston. So, you know, their guy that was their number one draft pick. Uh, and they got Rasheem Green questionable on the D-line. The Commanders, just the way they ran the football against Philly, you're going up against the Texans who have, like, the worst run defense in football. They give up 181 ground yards per game. And they give up 408 yards of total offense allowed. Plus, their offense doesn't. Uh, put up the same kind of numbers as Washington. They give up more points per game. They score fewer points per game. They've lost four in a row, and they've given up more than 24 in three of those four games, and they've only scored 20 or more one time, and it was a game they lost by 18. So that's the Texans. They, they struggle. They just do. They're not a good football team. And I don't even know if they're trying to be a good football team yet. I don't know what's going to go on with Brandon Cooks. I didn't see him really last week at all. So tough to say what they're trying to do in that situation now that the deadline has passed. Um, he had, what, four catches for 37 yards in their loss last week. So he's still getting the targets, but I just I don't know that he actually wants to play. So it's not good for them. I will take Washington to cover the three points. And we will also take the over at 41. Rids picks. She likes the Commanders too. We get the Raiders at the Broncos next, and that's not a good game for fans on either side, for NFL fans in general. These teams have combined for five wins and 13 losses. The Raiders are 0-5 on the road, and they have to go... To mile high. Denver's favored by two and a half. Over under is 41 and a half. I definitely have to take the under on that because both of these teams have whack offenses. Um, the Denver defense is pretty stingy though. And the problem for them is that their defense keeps them in games, but their offense doesn't win games. And the problem for the Raiders is that they're bad on both sides of the ball. So, I mean, they're giving up almost 400 yards a game. They give up 126 ground yards. They give up 260 through the air. They give up 25 points per game, which is about 10 more than Denver. So I don't like having to pick this game. This is hideous. Uh, both of these teams are not good. So they're putting us in a situation as the fans where we don't really want to see any of that. And, I mean, as bad as Denver has been... I'm sure they remember the game in Vegas where Josh Jacobs went absolutely berserk on them. And now that they're playing at home, they're going to they're gonna do their best to get this game back. Because I think at, what, they're 3-6? and six? So they're not technically out of it yet. They can keep fighting. 
you know, if they get to four and six here and say the Chargers lose and they're five and five, they're second in that division within, well, they're not second in that division with the win, but they would be much closer to being in contention if that happens. And with the Chargers going to Kansas City, it's a realistic possibility. So I think Denver has to fight and scratch and claw their way to a win here against a Raiders team that just can't seem to do anything right. Naturally, this will be a week where I pick the Raiders and or excuse me I'll pick the Broncos and the Raiders will finally find a way to win a game but Broncos by two and a half at home the Raiders offense is just struggling so bad that I can't in my right mind pick the Raiders here so Denver minus two and a half at home and we'll say over 41 and a half Rids picks Broncos let's ride finally we get to a good game between two good teams in the 6-3 Cowboys visiting the 8-1 Vikings. Cowboys are 6-3 coming off a tough loss where they blew a 14-point lead in the second half to lose to Green Bay, who obviously is not very good. And the Vikings came back from a similar deficit against the Bills and showed that they are pretty good and that when everyone counted them out, they still hung in there and found a way to win that football game. Uh, Dallas is favored by a point and a half. I kind of understand that. Their points per game is similar with Minnesota scoring a little bit more, but allowing a little bit more. Their offenses are close with Dallas running the ball better and Minnesota throwing it better. The yards allowed, Minnesota's defense gives up a lot more yards, but Dallas gets crushed on the ground because they have such a good pass rush. You just kind of have to confuse them, but 143 ground yards is a lot, especially against a team that has Dalvin Cook and that has Alexander Madison and their more than happy to find a way to run the football against you and not make it a shootout. So it's going to be really interesting. It's one of the games I definitely have marked on the schedule. Zeke still questionable. Demarcus Lawrence questionable on defense. Anthony Barr questionable. Anthony Brown questionable for Dallas. So none of that's great news, but they will probably all play because it's a huge game. Uh, but their punter, Brian Enger, is injured, so we may see that they don't punt. And then you look at Minnesota, and they're pretty good. I mean, Dalvin Tomlinson's been out, but they've been getting along. And you got Justin Jefferson playing, like, ridiculous football. Uh, Kirk Cousins playing some of the best football of his career, definitely his best season with Minnesota. Dalvin Cook staying mostly healthy, knock on wood. And tj hawkinson folded into the mix this is a game where minnesota as underdogs is very very tempting and my gut was saying like dallas because after that game last week their explosive offense and minnesota's tendency to give up points was going to be an issue and just seeing how minnesota played against buffalo like you can't keep them down they're really hard to keep down and you know dallas gives up a lot more on the ground which will allow minnesota to play their style so I don't know. I don't know. I see why this is a one and a half point spread. Uh, it's basically a coin toss. Dallas is six and three against the spread. Minnesota's four and four. And then Minnesota hasn't lost at home. But it could be a situation where after that Bills game, they're a little high on themselves and Dallas is looking for vengeance. So I'm guessing that's what most people are looking at because that's why Dallas would be favored. But Man, if you need an upset pick on the books, Minnesota at home plus one and a half. The plus 105 is really nice. We'll go over 48 and a half. I will stick with Dallas to win. And since it's only a point and a half, they're probably going to cover too. But 
I, I would not be surprised if the Vikings win this game. It's a very, very close game, but I'll take Dallas. Rids picks. Rids says Vikings are going to win it. Next up is an AFC North battle between the 5-4 and four Bengals, 2-3 two and three on the road, at the Steelers, 3-6, and six, who are 2-2 two and two at home. And this is a rematch of Week 1 where the Steelers barely won a game in overtime that they could have lost several times. So it's tough for me to look at this like the Steelers have a significant shot, but they do have TJ Watt back, and he makes things happen differently on that defense. Bengals are still without Jamar Chase, but they're healthy basically everywhere else. Um, the Steelers, we'll see. Akella Witherspoon is out, but they're mostly pretty healthy too. Chris Boswell is on IR, so they're using a backup kicker. So in a close game, in a division game, where you may be called upon to make a clutch kick, that's a formula that spells Bengals for me. Plus, they lost in the beginning of the season. I think they know they're a better team than Pittsburgh, and they just have to go out there and play and prove it. Uh, so... As much as I want to see the Steelers improve because they're just one of those franchises that, you know, it's weird when they're a losing team. But in terms of points scored and points allowed, since he's better both, they're even better on defense and better on offense and total yards. They've won three of their last five. Steelers have lost three of their last five in a variety of different ways. But they did beat it, a mid-level uh, New Orleans team. Even though New Orleans only got three wins, I would say they're they're in the middle somewhere. They're not at the bottom bottom. So, with 20 seconds on the clock, I will take the Bengals to cover the three and a half on the road, and I will say over 40. Rids picks. Rids is taking the Bengals too. In an AFC West showdown, we've got the seven and two Chiefs against the five and four Chargers. This was the matchup in L.A. last year where the Chargers flushed their hopes of winning the division down the toilet. And I don't know that they're going to even be healthy enough in this game. You know, the Chiefs, they're without Juju, but they're going to go scantling Tony. They're going to run the ball off. They're going to throw to McKinnon and Hilaire probably a lot in this game. Mahomes is still Mahomes. Their defense is not seeing any issues on my end. And then you go to the Chargers, and it's like Keenan Allen's still questionable. Mike Williams questionable. Gerald Everett's questionable. So are they going to be able to win the game with Austin Eckler, DeAndre Carter, Michael Bandy, and Josh Palmer? I don't think so. They're really not playing that well. And they're lucky to be 5-4 and four in my opinion. But you look at a game like San Francisco, and they played pretty well in that game. They were competitive. And... They only ended up losing by six, but they're just not scoring points. Even when they beat Atlanta, they scored 20. They only scored 23 against Seattle. They won 19 to 16 over Denver. And then they put up a lot of points on Cleveland, who's got a bad defense. So I don't think the Chiefs have a bad defense. Um, they score more. They give up less. They put up like 100 more yards a game almost, and they give up fewer yards per game. So if everything goes according to plan, the Chiefs probably uh, win this game by five. It's a tricky spread, though, so tough to say exactly how this one's going to shake out. But I will take the Chiefs. Because it's a division game, I'm going to go with L.A. to cover the five points. And we'll say under 52. Rids picks. Rids likes the Chargers in this one. 
Last but not least, we arrive at Monday Night Football with the 5-4 49ers traveling to Arizona to take on the 4-6 Cardinals. This is a game where both teams kind of need it badly, but I don't want to get caught up in that. I just want to look at points per game. Arizona's better. Uh, points given up, San Francisco's a lot better. Give up a touchdown less. San Francisco also puts up more yards and gives up a lot fewer yards. So them being favored by eight makes sense. Me looking at the Cardinals and the 49ers uh, depth chart with injury reports, Kyler Murray questionable, so probably going to be Cole McCoy's team. Connor is healthy, though. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins questionable. We got Moore and Green, who I think made a big play last week. They're still dealing with those injuries, though, on the line. Humphrey's still out. Max Garcia questionable. And then you got Murphy playing corner, who is out as well. Uh, San Francisco's mostly pretty healthy. Uh, Eric Armstead's going to be out. Javon Kinlaw's on IR. But, you know, Hassan Ridgeway, Nick Bosa, even if uh, Samson Ibukam and Kerry Hyder play, that's a pretty good front. And they still got Greenlaw. They got Warner. Uh, and they got uh, Hufanga who just makes big plays. So I think because it's a division game and Colt McCoy may be at the helm, there might be a little bit just like slower pace. And the Arizona defense has been better than their offense, even though, you know, it's tough to say that, but it's true. So if Arizona could win and get to five and six and drop the Niners to five and five, it's huge for them. It's in Mexico City, so this game's going to be at altitude, too. So that's going to tell me that the team that is, like, built for ground and pound is probably going to win the day. So I have to go with... I have to go with San Francisco. And if you look at Jimmy G, you know, he's got 11 touchdowns. There's the timer. He's got 11 touchdowns and four picks, but Kyler has 12 touchdowns and six picks. So it's kind of a wash there in terms of yardage and everything, too, even though Kyler's attempted... 122 more passes than Jimmy. He's only got a little over 200 more passing yards and only one more touchdown. So that's not good. And he also leads the team in rushing. So with him out, with him not out there, it changes who they are. So if he plays, we'll see. I don't know. It's just a tough game to call when there's so many questionables uh, listed for Arizona. But it's not enough to get me off of the 49ers playing punch you in the mouth. Uh, run style, run dominant football in altitude, no less. And then uh, that's it. So Niners, I'll take the Cardinals to cover the eight though. And then we'll say over 43 and a half just because having the over is fun. And I did well on the over last week. Rids picks. Rids is going with the Cardinals at home. It's the only thing I did well in, but that's okay. You know, this is a bounce back week. Dolphins, Seahawks, Bucks, Jags, all on buys is what it is. So... I need to get into writing this and we got movie plans tonight so I need to hop out of here but thank you again for taking the time to listen to this show I hope it's helped you I hope you know that some of my picks that are historically wrong all the time like when I pick the Packers if you just don't listen to me and pick opposite of me on all the Packers games you're doing probably really well same thing with the Raiders just two teams that I can't seem to shake them not being able to get it together at any point during the season. But now with the Raiders and the Packers, I think I'm just going to give up and just bet against them the whole rest of the season like I did this week. So there it is. Um, Kristen's not here. She's, I think she's done with the Pick'em Show until we figure something else out. She doesn't want to do it. I got to get Ridley's picks in here too. So 
until next time, stay safe, be well, take care, everybody, and happy football Sunday. Thank you to everyone who took the time to listen to the episode. I still believe that word of mouth is the best way to help, so if you enjoyed it, please tell somebody. But liking, subscribing, and sharing go a long way, too. This show is an extension of thescheiss.com, and you can contact me at info at or at Scheiss Podcast on Twitter. And until next time, be well, stay safe, and go Bills. Bills.